0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew chapter number 28. And I want to preach this morning on what is baptism. We, of course, are going to have a baptismal service. And, uh, and I thought, boy, I haven't really covered baptism in a while and uh, I mention it here and there, but I, I thought I'm going to uh, preach on what is baptism. And I, I believe it's an important thing, uh, an important step in the life of a Christian. And the Bible talks a lot about baptism. And, uh, and sometimes I wonder, honestly, if we cover it enough to clarify. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, Matthew chapter number 28 And verse number 16, I want to start here. And uh, we're going to look at several passages, but we'll start here this morning. And uh, and the Bible says here in Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. And God, openly proclaim your name and your word. And Father, I pray that you would just bless our service this morning. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts. And Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we look at the, what the Bible says, uh, there's a lot of false doctrines about baptism. There's a lot of false teachings about baptism. Uh, some of the most common are sprinkling. Uh, that's where they just sprinkle some water. And then some of the others are infant baptism where they would baptize babies. And then there's baptismal regeneration. Whoa, that's a big word. Uh, but that just simply means that you are, you are saved by baptism. And these are things that are taught in many other religions and many other um, religious circles. But what I want us to do is, is to look at what the Bible says about baptism because in all reality it doesn't matter what a religious group believes or does what really matters is what does the Bible say about being baptized because this is the authority of the Word of God and it supersedes any religious uh, order or any religious circles or anything else and so I want us to look in the Word of God and say hey what does the Bible teach about baptism and, uh, and we're not going to, uh, to, to, to uh, well we're going to very clearly just see what the Bible says about these things. I want you to notice here in our text where we read uh, Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 down through 20. I want you to see the mandate of baptism the mandate of baptism. And that's simply that Jesus Christ himself said in verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And the Lord God himself told us, hey, that we are, number one, to evangelize the lost. We're to go out and teach. That's what the Bible says there in in the first part of verse number 19. That is to proclaim that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save the lost from their sin. The gospel. That's what we're supposed to get out. Uh, The second thing that we're supposed to do is baptize uh, those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after that, we are to continue teaching the word of God. Uh, we spend a lot of time in our church doing that uh, every Sunday morning. We have a 10 o'clock Sunday school and uh, we have many different classes and we have all kinds of places that people go and they learn according to their age level. And, and, uh, and then 11 o'clock, the service that we're at here, you'll notice that really the central part of all of those things is what? The Word of God. We, we open up the Word of God consistently, and we teach and preach. Why? Because there's so much information that we need to gather that we need to learn from the Word of God. And Then you know what? We'll get back together tonight at 6 o'clock, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to open the Word of God, and we're going to teach the Word of God. And Then we're going to get together at Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and you know what we're going to do? You probably got it down by now. We're going to teach the Word of God. Because that's our responsibility. And so we note that, hey, listen, this is what the Lord mandated that we are to do and that we have a responsibility to do those things. I'll just point this out in verse number 19. He says, go ye therefore into all the world. I was a missionary for almost 20 years. I thank God for that. And you know what I did? I I lived down in Peru, South America. And you know what I did in Peru, South America? On Sunday mornings, I got up and you know what we did? We opened the Word of God and we taught the Word of God. You know what we did on Sunday night? We got up and we taught the Word of God. You know what we did on Wednesdays? We got up and we taught the word of God why did we do that because that's the command of the Lord Jesus Christ we would go out and we would see people saved and listen when we saw people saved you know what we would do we would do our best to bring them in and have them get baptized why do we do all of that because that's what Jesus himself told us that we are to do and so we find the mandate of baptism I started up in verse number 16 and I did that for a reason. The Bible says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And I just want to state this, uh, that listen, uh, I believe the Bible teaches clearly that Jesus Christ started that first church. Uh, The Bible is very clear. He is the head of the church. He is the one that started the church. Matter of fact, Matthew 16, 18 says this, "Uh, And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Jesus is talking, He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Jesus Christ, with those disciples founded that very first church. uh, and, And listen, as he gathered them together in Matthew chapter 28, he was giving them an ordinance. He was mandating them. He was telling them, hey, this is the purpose of the church. See, soul saved, baptized, and disciple to preach the gospel and to baptize them and to continually teach the word of God. And that is what he told that church to do, the very first church. And listen, uh, we still carry on those same things. That was over 2,000 years ago. Why do we do that? Because Jesus Christ himself told us that that's what we're supposed to do. And so we find the mandate of baptism. We find the church that was founded by Jesus himself. And then we find the authority. The first church had the command and and they therefore had the authority. Go with me to Acts chapter number 2. And I want you to notice some things here in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2, if you're familiar with the text, is the empowerment of the church. When Jesus told the disciples, he said, hey, the Holy Spirit will come and he will empower you and you'll be witnesses uh, unto all the world. And, uh, and he told them, he kind of said, hey, kind of wait. There was that transition period. When Jesus was finishing up his earthly ministry and he ascended and then the Holy Spirit came down and started his ministry working in conjunction uh, with the local church. And so we find that 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 takes place here in Acts chapter number 2. Notice with me in verse number 37. Acts chapter 2 in verse number 37 the apostle Peter has preached a marvelous message and uh, he takes it right out of the Old Testament and, uh, and he very clearly proclaims that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, uh, God in the flesh, who died on the cross for our sins and then rose again on the third day. Look with me in verse number 37 after he had preached the message. The Bible says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter... And to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the, prom- for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation." Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now I want to just take a moment and just run down through these verses and just give you some information about these verses. Notice in verse number 37, the Bible says uh, that, that after they, now when they heard the, this, they were pricked in their heart. What had they heard? Well, the apostle Peter had just finished preaching um, an evangelistic message telling the people that, hey, they needed to be born again, that they needed to be saved. Uh, And he had just given them the gospel. Hey, didn't we just read about that in Matthew 28 and verse number 19 that Jesus himself said, hey, go into all the world and teach every nation. And listen, that's what Peter was doing. He was taking the opportunity that this large crowd crowd had gathered and he started to preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to just point this out that in Acts chapter number 2, there was a large amount of Jewish people. Uh, There was a large amount of people who already believed in one God and He is the Creator. And, uh, and you see a tremendous message and he's very pointed uh, with his message. And, uh, and there's a great amount of people that get saved. Notice with me in Acts 2.38 because the Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. And I just want to say this, that uh, in Acts 2.38 he was telling them to repent, to turn from their previous false beliefs, many of them believed in their own works for salvation. And so they were, uh, they were keeping the traditions of their fathers. They were doing many religious good works to try and earn their way to heaven. And they were, uh, they, were, they were keeping all of those things. And Peter tells them, he says, hey, repent, be baptized. Let me just say this, that salvation is not adding Jesus to your religion and to your works. Salvation is turning from your religion and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. That is salvation. You cannot be saved any other way. The Bible is very clear that it is only through Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I wish this morning that the Bible would say that if if you are a member of Anchor Baptist Church, that you would be saved. But that's not what the Bible says. I would be false to tell you that. You can be a member of Anchor Baptist Church. Well, you can't. You've got to be saved to be a member. But, but I'm just saying that becoming a member of Anchor Baptist Church will not save you. Going through baptismal waters will not save you. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. And you're saying, well, preacher, it says right there that uh, repent and be baptized. Yes, that's true. But, but listen, how many other verses tell us that it is Jesus Christ and him alone? John chapter 3 and verse 36. You can go there if you'd like, or you can just note it down. But the Bible says, well, even let's go to John 3 16. in your minds. Uh, the Bible says this For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where does the Bible mention baptism in that verse? It does not. It says simply, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, that you are saved. The Bible says in John three thirty six, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so when we have one verse that seems to indicate that baptism is tied to salvation, but I could give you 20 verses that say that it. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone. uh, Man, I can just say, hey, to, to understand the whole of the Scripture, salvation is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I believe that's what the Apostle Peter was saying. Uh, he just, uh, you know, sometimes you get excited and you say stuff. And uh, and, and listen, uh, he said, uh, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And certainly that repentance would tie back to salvation, and that is the saving act that that uh, putting our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so we see the mandate for baptism, and we see the church that Jesus founded, and that was the uh, the the. The that was the group of people that God gave that command to and they had the authority. And then I want us to notice the simple obedience of being baptized. Notice this in verse number 41 of Acts chapter 2 where we are at. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about three thousand souls boy that's a lot of baptisms uh, and I don't know how they did all of that and I think to myself man uh, maybe they baptized five at a time they got several maybe they you know they got the apostles down there and and had 10 baptisms I, I don't know going at the same time uh, and and said you know just did it a, a lot of people I, I don't know um, but I do know this that you find first salvation comes After salvation, then comes the obedience of baptism. And listen, the Bible's clear that Jesus said we are to evangelize. After evangelism, we are to baptize. And being baptized is just simple obedience to what Jesus Christ desires for our life. That's all it is. He says, hey, be baptized, uh, and then they were added, the Bible says, unto them. What were they added unto? They were added unto the church. That's what they were added unto. And so we note that it is a simple obedience, and baptism was performed by the church, and they were, they were added unto the church, and listen, baptism identifies you with that church's doctrines, and that becomes very important uh, because, hey, listen, who baptizes uh, is just as important uh, as to what you're being baptized for. And so we see an identification with that church because they were added unto that church. So we see the mandate of baptism. But I want you to notice as well, not just the mandate, but I want you to notice the method of baptism. The word baptism literally means to dip or submerse in water, uh, That is literally what the word means. And uh, go with me to, to uh, we're going to go to a couple passages here, but go with me to Mark chapter number 1. And I want you to see this in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter number 1, the second gospel there. And Jesus was baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, we notice that uh, they go down into the water. And uh, uh, the, there's only really two, I guess, philosophies or thoughts on baptism, and the one is that of sprinkling. And listen, if we were going to do that this morning, we wouldn't need this whole tank of water. We could use this cup of water, and that would be sufficient to sprinkle or to take and put it on uh, somebody's head so that they could be baptized. That is what uh, some people practice and believe. But I want to show you from the Word of God, what does the Bible teach about baptism? Baptism. Uh, Why is it do we have so much water? Well, the word itself means to dip or submerse in water. But look with me in Mark chapter 1 and we'll see Jesus' baptism because he's the best example. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus is not going to go down into the water if all you have is a cup. That's not possible. Um, there's no way to go down into that water and the Bible says very clearly that he came up out of that water and so he must have gone down in that water and the whole purpose there was that he would be immersed into that water uh, The Bible. Why, why did John baptize in the Jordan? The Bible says in John 3.22 you can just note this down or verse number 23 rather and John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much much water there and they came and were baptized we lived in Peru and uh, and I tell you what it's hard to come by water in Peru in the mountains we lived in the desert region for a while. We lived in the mountains. And, and, uh, and sometimes, boy, coming, just having enough water was difficult to baptize. I remember the first baptismal uh, that I ever went to in Peru. We were way down in the deserts, and, uh, and the whole church went on a picnic. And they went way out into the, uh, to the mountains. And, uh, and I thought, why on earth did they go clean out here? And there was a stream that was about, about knee deep. And that's all it was. And man, they, they got down on their knees and, uh, and they dunked that person in that water. Hey, listen, there's places that are just hard to come by water. Uh, Israel is one of those places, there's places there's not a lot of water, but you go by Jordan and there's a lot of water there. And the reason that John baptized in Jordan, the Bible tells us, because there was much water there. If John was sprinkling He could have taken a canteen of water, a leather pouch of water, and just sprinkled people wherever they were at. But the Bible tells us he went to Anon, which is a place in Jordan uh, that was by the Jordan River. Why? The Bible tells us because there was much water there. That tells me that John the Baptist was not sprinkling and that Jesus was not sprinkling and John baptized the Lord Jesus Christ and that God was pleased with that fact. And we find that all in Mark chapter 1 that we read there. Go with me to Acts chapter number 8 and I want you to see one other example here in the Bible. As we talk about the method of baptism, we found the mandate that Jesus Christ himself commanded uh, that the church baptize people and look at with me in, in Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 36. We find here the Ethiopian eunuch and I've preached out of this passage before. God sent Philip out to the Ethiopian eunuch and 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 Philip witnessed to that Ethiopian eunuch and as he did that Ethiopian eunuch put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice with me in verse number 36 the Bible says, there in Acts 8 36 and as they went on their way Philip has already witnessed to him the Ethiopian eunuch has already put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Bible says as they went on their way they came unto a certain water and the Enoch said see here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. Notice this, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now I want you to notice that, hey, listen, there had to be a lot of water for them both to go down into that water and for him to physically dunk and immerse that other person, that eunuch, in that water. And I'm just saying that the method of baptism throughout the Bible is that of immersion, that of putting somebody under the water. And you'll find that over and over and over through the Bible. You won't find a single example of sprinkling. You won't find anything about it. I remember in Peru one time, and uh, I had some people come to me, and they were concerned. They said, hey, uh, listen, our, our church believes in, in sprinkling, and we know that that's not biblical teaching. And I said, well, then you need to come join our church, and we'll baptize you the proper way, by immersion. And, uh, and they didn't want to do that, but, but they, they themselves recognized, we look in the Bible, and we don't find anything about sprinkling. And, and where does that come from? I don't know. But the Bible clearly talks about being immersed and dunked underwater. Uh, they went down into the water. Go with me to one more passage here and, uh, and we'll look at this. I want you to see the meaning of baptism. Romans chapter number 6 Romans chapter number 6. We've seen the mandate for baptism that Jesus Christ himself commanded that all people should be baptized, uh, those who are saved, rather. Uh, Then we see the method of baptism, and that is that they are immersed and placed under the water and then brought back up. And what is the meaning of baptism? As I already stated, that baptism does not save you. Uh, I like what the old preacher said, uh, many, many years ago, he said, "If baptism could save you, he said, then then this tank, when when if if it were to wash your sins away, you would drain it, it'd go in the drain, it'd go down to the to the to the water treatment plant, and then they'd put it back in, uh, or maybe they'd put it out to pasture, and the cow would uh, would would drink that water up, and then uh, eat that grass and produce milk, and then you'd drink milk and you'd get your sins back." Uh, That's the bottom line. That's your logic for you, all right? Uh, But, uh, uh, you know, the Bible says that, hey, the baptismal waters do not wash our sins away. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that washes our sins away. Notice here the meaning of baptism in Romans chapter number 6. And the Bible says in verse number 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What's the meaning of baptism? Well, we see very clearly here the illustration that he's giving. And number one, it shows the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been to quite a few funerals. And I've been to quite a few graveside services. And you know what? I can tell you this. No graveyard takes a little bit of dirt and sprinkles it on them and says, there, they're buried. And I'm glad they don't. Amen. Aren't you glad they don't do that? Uh, You know what they do? They pile the dirt on and they absolutely bury that person. Why do they do that? Because that's a burial. When Jesus Christ uh, was was put in the tomb, uh, they didn't just sprinkle some dirt. No, man, they took that stone. They rolled it. They sealed that up completely so that he was completely submersed. In that tomb. Why did they do that? Uh, because that's what a proper burial is. And, and by being baptized, uh, it shows the burial. When you go in the water, it's like being buried. We're not gonna leave you there, we're not gonna leave you there for three days, so don't worry about that. You wouldn't make it. But it's just a symbol of being buried and then boom, brought back to life. And it's symbolic to show that, hey, that Jesus Christ died and was buried and then rose again from the dead. The second thing that it shows, not only the burial and and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the second thing that it shows is that you are saved. Notice that one of the prerequisites, I didn't point this out in Acts uh, Acts 8.37, but you remember when Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, uh, he, the Ethiopian eunuch says, here's water. What does hinder me from being baptized? And Peter said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. In other words, the only prerequisite to being baptized is being saved. By the way, that's why a baby cannot be baptized. Because a baby doesn't have the capacity to make a decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. You go back in the Bible and you read every single person that was baptized, they were baptized after they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have a little granddaughter. She is, I don't know, three or four months old. And I love that little little, little bundle of joy. But I tell you what. There's no way she has. She doesn't have the capacity to put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's no way she can be baptized. She can't. She, she she can't make a rational decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as her own personal Savior. And so we find that hey, not until after they make that decision, after they're able to do that, uh, are they able to be baptized and and. Being baptized shows that you are saved and that you're born again. It's a testimony. It's like saying, hey, I desire to be baptized and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, that's really what it says here as well in in Romans 6 and verse number 4. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death and like." That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It shows our salvation and it shows our desire to walk in newness of life. That says, hey, I'm saved. I'm born again. And I want other people to see a difference. I want people to realize that I'm going to obey Jesus Christ. And that first step is baptism. And then I'm going to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and have a new life. And it shows your desire to walk in newness with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, listen, it shows your obedience to his command. All the way back to the beginning, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Go ye therefore into all the world and and teach uh, every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And listen, baptism is obedience. It's just saying, you know what? I believe the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to obey him and follow him with my life. We've seen the mandate of baptism. We've seen the method of baptism that it is by immersion. We've seen the meaning of baptism that it shows the burial and resurrection. It shows your salvation. It shows your desire to walk in newness of life. And it shows your obedience to God and his command. Listen, it is for those that are born again, those that are saved, Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The two requisites there are confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I say this, I tell people this all the time. A lot of people talk about God. A lot of people even say that that Jesus is God. They'll confess it with their mouth, but they've never put their faith and trust in him for their salvation with their heart. And so it's a confession with the mouth, but then it's a belief with the heart. And it requires both. A lot of people that talk about God don't necessarily, have not necessarily put their faith and trust in him. And it goes on in verse 10 and it says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse number 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll notice that baptism was not one time mentioned in any of those verses. Because baptism does not save you. It's calling on the Lord Jesus Christ, placing our faith in him and him alone for salvation that saves us. No other thing can save you. And so uh, the baptism that we'll have this morning, hey, listen, it is in obedience to the Lord's command. It's the right method because we're immersing. And then we see that uh, the that, that What it means, that it means, hey, that this person has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great truths taught in your word. Father, I pray that you would help us. As we look at your word and and help us to understand all of those meanings. God, I, I covered a lot of material. God, I pray that you would help each and every person to understand the great truths that are written in your word. God, we don't find any example of babies being baptized in your word. We don't find any example of being sprinkled. But God, we find over and over a person that has put their faith and trust in you. Following and obeying you in believers' baptism. And God, what an example that they provide to us over and over and over in the Word of God. God, I pray that if there's one person that does not know you as their personal Savior today, God, that they would put their faith and trust in you and you alone for salvation. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. Father, we'll thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen.